we are, we're going to be doing something called the Elf Code. And if you don't know what the Elf Code is, this comes straight from the movie Elf. And so if you don't know it, there's a time they're going through a classroom and the teacher Elf goes through three rules. And the three rules are going to be our three weeks. Rule number one, treat every day like Christmas. That's what we're going to be talking about this week. Next week, it's going to be there's room for everyone on the nice list. And if you know the heartbeat of Navigation Church, you're going to know that we believe that. There's always room for everyone at the foot of the cross on the nice list with Jesus Christ. And then the third one, this one's going to be a blast. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all to hear. I cannot wait for that week because that's the week that our kids play is going to be here. And they have songs that they're learning. They have uh, activities to go along with it, moves, and they're going to be with us on that Sunday morning. So the great news is if you have grandparents, you may want to invite them for the 18th. Uh, if you have kids, you're like, well, I didn't bring them this week. I guess they can't be in it. Nope. They can come last minute and we'll find something for them to do. But that is going to be our family uh, service on that day. And then Christmas morning, we'll be here together. Uh, we'd love if you'd want to come out, uh, join us. If not, we'll be online. And here's a question that I'm getting. Can we wear pajamas? It, okay, if you want to get out in two-degree weather in pajamas, feel free. Uh, but if you want to wear your pajamas, if you want to wear your ugly sweaters, you as a family just come. We're not going to have the children's ministry open. I don't even think the cafe is going to be open. It's going to be about coming together, celebrating Christmas morning, and then getting you out of here as quickly as possible. Just being honest with you. Uh, but I'm actually also looking forward to January 1st. We're going to have another family Sunday. Without the children's ministry, we're all just going to be in here. My assumption is some of you are going to need to sleep in on that day. So we're going to come here, and we're just going to worship Jesus for a while. And we're gonna, I have a very short sermon we're going to be doing that day. But it should be a fun Christmas series this entire month. So I want to encourage you to be with us. Uh, this morning, we're going to start reading by Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, Part of it was already spoken today in some of the songs that we sang. This is a, if you would, a messianic prophecy. I know that sounds like really big words, but let me break it down to you. In the Old Testament or Old Covenant, there were guys known as prophets. And here's what prophets did. They heard from God to say something about the future. And you may think that sounds weird, and, but here's saying, we also believe our God is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end. So if he's the beginning and the end, he probably knows what's happening in the middle. And so he was telling this prophet about a Messiah, Messianic prophet, a Messiah that was going to be coming and saving the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of God, his chosen people. And here's what it, it said in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. It said, for unto us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's a really important sentence right here. Think about this. You have these children of Israel, these people just heard this line. And when it comes to his government, because they've known governments like Babylon, and they've known governments like the Medes and Persians, and eventually the Greece, and eventually Rome, and eventually. So they know what this definition of government, and they just were told that to his government, there's not going to be an end. 
So no matter how big Rome was, no matter how big the Medes and Persians, no matter how big these empires were, this coming king, this coming Messiah, there's going to be no end to his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so let's just pause here and talk a little bit about the mindset that the early, let's just say this, the early church, early Christians, early followers of Jesus, the mindset they would have had. Because for hundreds of years now, they have heard about this messianic prophecy. They have heard about this Messiah that would be coming. And at this time, the children of Israel for hundreds of years have been under oppression. Or here's another way to say it. They have been slaves to another empire, another kingdom. And you hear in the distance the hope, the belief, the promise that there's going to be a king coming that's going to take up the throne of David. And for those who don't know, King David is really the first king of Israel. I know there was Saul, but he's not one we want to brag about. But David established a kingdom, established a temple, established a throne, established a way for the people of God to worship God himself. And so now all of a sudden this new Messiah is going to go sit back on the throne of our favorite king of all times. And here's what I'm just going to make an assumption of. And by the way, my assumption's right. History tells us. They had a lot of expectations. They had a lot of expectations they put on God. Or if we could say it this way, they had an appointment that they gave to this coming Messiah. And the reason I want to use the word appointment is the only way you ever get a disappointment out of someone is by putting an appointment on them. And so think about this. Is there anybody in your life right now that is doing exactly what you want the way you want it that you're disappointed in them? That was a retort. That was a question for you. That you is there anybody in your life that makes the bed you want them to make it? That's doing the work at your job the way you want them to do the work? That is responding perfectly to you every single time that you're disappointed in it? And that answer is no. Because you've put appointments on them and they're not disappointing that. They're doing exactly what you want. But the problem was the children of Israel or a lot of people were disappointed in Jesus because they had an appointment set on him. Because when Jesus showed up, rather than having a massive empire and knowing karate, Jesus prayed. I don't know why karate. I don't know. It was the first thing that came to mind. I don't pre-write these sermons. You guys get them fresh off the print. Okay, right? So... But they were expecting a warrior. They were expecting a king. They wanted expecting a guy to come in and throw all these empires off of them. The problem was Jesus kept avoiding crowds. He would have a crowd of people jump on a boat and go to the other side of the lake just to lose them. He would heal people of sicknesses and disease that should have killed them. And he would lean into them and go, hey, do me a favor. Don't tell anybody about this. Go read it for yourself. He's like trying to quelch the news of who he is from everybody around. And he kept saying, no, don't do this. No, don't do this. And there was one point where the people were so interested in making him king. It's the reason he sent the disciples away ahead of time. The disciples were starting to get some big heads of, hey, we're with a really famous guy and we're going to be pretty well known. And Jesus could feel all this going and goes, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and leave ahead of time and I'll deal with the people and basically with the 
the people. He goes, listen, I'm not going to go sit on some throne that you want. So there was a lot of disappointment because they set an appointment for Jesus. And it got to the point where one of the guys that traveled with Jesus all the time was continually being frustrated that Jesus wouldn't step into the appointment that he wanted. And so this guy actually betrayed Jesus. His name was Judas. And his thought was, if I push Jesus into enough of a corner, he will have to come out swinging. But he didn't come out swinging. He went out hanging. Because the plan that Jesus had was better than any appointment that mankind could ever put on him. So now ready? Here's where I turn this on you. How many have ever been disappointed in Jesus? How many have ever been disappointed in God? How many have ever been? Is it disappointment because you set an appointment on him that he never asked for? Is it a disappointment because there was a promise that you were holding on to? Or is it a disappointment because you said to God, this is how you need to act in order for me to love you? And I'm just going to make this assumption that many of us have been disappointed with God, not because of what God said to us, but because of what we dictated to him. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> I know that was really a downer, wasn't it? That was not the way you want to start your Christmas series. But if we read the Bible and ask the question, what does this have to do with us 2,000 years later? You have to see that we have the same mindset that humanity had back then. We don't necessarily want a God to save us. We want a God to please us. But if we can figure out how to serve a God the way that he's asked us to, and that's just love him for what he's doing. And Jesus showed up on earth, well, Emmanuel, God with us, closed in flesh. Why, why do I say that? Let's, let's jump in. Remember, rule for today, we're going to treat every day like Christmas. That, that's the theme for today. We're going to treat it like Christmas. What does that look like? Isaiah 7.14, this is another one of those messianic prophecies that was prophesied by Isaiah. It said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. Let's just pause there real quick. Um, this is a complete side note, not in my notes, but for whatever reason, feel like I want to say this to you right now. The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they'll call him Emmanuel. You know, I've heard over time, and this is a common argument, people against Christianity, that we stole a pagan holiday and we took over like Christmas and it was originally the solstice and blah, 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 blah. No, let's just be clarified. We didn't steal it. We hijacked it. Those are two different things. <laughs> we threw a better party than you. So that's how you're taking it. Um, in the early church, the fathers of our faith were finding that the virgin birth was being forgotten. It wasn't being highlighted. And the virgin birth is very important to our faith, and here's why. Because all of us, and you can find this in Romans, and if you want a depressing sermon, we should just jump into that book real deep. But like, all of us were born from mankind out of Adam's seed line, that Adamic nature that was given to us. But when Jesus came along, in order to be our salvation, he actually had to be born of a different seed line. Because if Joseph and Mary would have had a baby, it would have been a sinner. Because if you take, ready for this, take one sinner and have them make a baby with another sinner, the baby's a sinner. Like that, that's what our belief system is. So God came to Mary 
And if she was, a, uh, if she was uh, sinless or full of sin, I do need to tell you this. It doesn't matter. Because all she was was the ground for the seed of God to be birthed in. Now, if you care uh, the, the belief system of Navigation Church, how we read the Bible, Mary was a sinner. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Mary, we honor her because when the angel came and talked to her, she said yes. But Jesus was born unto a virgin. That's why this is so important because his seed line didn't come from the rest of us. It came from God. And so over time, our fathers were finding out that people were forgetting this part of the story. They were highlighting that Jesus hung on a cross and came back three days later. And that's fantastic as long as the beginning of the story is true, that he was born Christ, uh, God, who clothed himself in flesh, which means Emmanuel. And so the reason we started celebrating Christmas is because we realized we needed a holiday to remember the importance of the virgin birth, and we picked a day. And yes, there's a whole story of how we came to December 25th, but ready for this, this is going to disappoint some of you. Jesus was not born on December 25th. And you go, well, he probably was. Well, you have a 1 in 365 chance. Like, take those odds. But most likely, because of the shepherd's part of the story, Jesus was probably born in the springtime. So I'm sorry if that ruins your Christmas, but go watch Scrooge, and you will feel better about yourself. Or whatever movie you posted. And so... We now see in Isaiah, but we also see in Matthew, who's calling back to that. Matthew 1, 20 through 23. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared. I already went too far. You now have Joseph, who's thinking about, what is he thinking about? I'll give you a hint. He just had a pregnant uh, fiance. Let's use that word. Betrothed would be the biblical word. A pregnant fiance come up to him and say, hey, I'm pregnant. And he goes, you can't be pregnant because you and I haven't, you know, been you and I. And she goes, no, I know, but I haven't been with, you know, anyone else. Joseph, I don't know how you would have responded. I would have been like, you're an idiot. If you think I'm an idiot, right? Like she's going, no, I promise you, God came to me and God got me pregnant. Could you imagine if someone tried to sell that today? Like they just, so Joseph before ultrasounds, before anything else, he's at home trying to figure out what to do with his fiance because in those times, I know nowadays if someone gets pregnant out of wedlock or before they should, there's kind of not that big a deal about it. But back in those days, you would have been shamed the rest of your life. So Joseph, who isn't necessarily married to her yet, trying to figure out what he should do with this floozy? I, what would you say? I'm not saying that one out loud. Like, yeah. But here's the thing. The woman you're supposed to marry is now pregnant with someone else. What are you supposed to do about that? So Jace, Joseph, while he was thinking on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord. It must have been pretty bad in his brain because God leaned over and said, hey, we need you to go down and talk to him. So an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, the son of David, Fear not to take up thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So it's of a brand new seed line. If what she has told you is absolutely true. Verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. 
Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. What prophet? The one that we just read out of Isaiah. It said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which when you interpret that, it means God with us. And so how do we treat every day like it is Christmas Day, and here's how it is. We have to realize that God is with us, okay? How do you act like every morning is Christmas morning is to realize that God was stepped out of heaven into earth, clothed himself in flesh so that it wouldn't be a God that was in a box in a tabernacle that priests guarded, it wasn't God on these tablets that may be shown and you could read some rules. It wasn't the God of the Pharisees dressed in all white just telling you how to behave. God wanted to have a personal relationship one-on-one -on -one with you. And so God with us, and I know some of you right now are saying, but God is no longer here with us. Jesus, 40 days after he was raised from the dead, he left. He, he did. He absolutely did. But we can't forget in John 16, 7, when he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is what Jesus told all of his disciples, that when he left, he was supposed to go back to town. They literally stood on the hill so long looking up that an angel showed back up and went, Psst, what are you doing? <laughs> Jesus was just here. What did he tell you to do? He told us to go back there, but we, we want him back. And the angel was like, you, you're missing this. This isn't how it worked. But Jesus tells them, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, I am always going to be stuck here in flesh in a single geographic location. But better for me to go away so that the helper can come to you. Who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. If I could say it this way, Jesus was here as a rabbi to teach a very specific message in a very specific way. When Jesus left, he sent back a rabbi that was going to teach you a very specific message in a very specific way. Not a different gospel. Not a different way to do this thing. The exact same way, but to the fullness of it. So ready for this. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, he's not just in your head. He's just not a belief system, hopefully, to ignite your spirit. He is an actual person in the form of the Holy Spirit that is alive, active, and present with you today. And if you can't wake up in the morning with that on your mind, you will never remember that it's Christmas. Actually, some days will feel more like Halloween. Some days for you older people just feel like your birthday, right? One step closer to death. You know what I'm feeling like. You don't celebrate anymore because you know what you're knock, knock, knocking on. So heaven's door. Sorry, I had to, fin I had to finish the lyric. That was, that was what was stuck there. I'm pretty sure people are booing, and it's December. You're not allowed to <laughs> boo you. So, like, so how do we make every day like it's Christmas Day? Let's treat every day like it was Christmas Day, and that is Jesus came to live with you, and he's alive with you. So how can we do this in a practical way? Let's do this. Lessons from Christmas. If we look back on the story, here's where we come. Step number one, we need to come and behold him. 
How do you make every day like Christmas? You wake up every morning and you come to him and you behold him. And you remember who he is and what he did for you. And so Luke chapter 2 verses 15 through 16. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from heaven. This is a great part of the story. If you don't know this story, this is great. You had a bunch of shepherds out in the field. And over the hill in the next, you know, town away, you had Mary and Joseph who showed up in order to give birth to Jesus. They actually had to go home to be counted. If you don't think your life has anything to do with life 2,000 years ago, the government wanted to count everybody to get as much taxes as they wanted. It's still happening today. So Mary and Joseph went home in order to get counted. As they actually got back home, they found out their Airbnb was rented out to someone else, and they had nowhere to stay. And they stayed inside a manger, or a better way to actually probably say this, is a hole in the wall filled with animals, filled with troughs, filled with dung. It couldn't have been the most pleasant thing. But in that environment, Mary gave birth. And when this baby came out, all of heaven must have been leaning into the atmosphere so much to see the baby that all of a sudden the angels fell into this opening and there were shepherds there looking at him. Oh, come let us. And they just broke into song like they didn't know what else to do. But heaven is a musical, so you better get used to them now. They just broke into song and singing. These shepherds are sitting there and these angels and this multitude and there was a small amount of fear and tinkling of drawers. And they're just, (laughs) angels are singing. Uh, You may not, but I would. Not a lot, just enough to dampen. Like it would be scary to see all these angels there and they're celebrating, worshiping this God who from the beginning of time was spirit, but he put flesh on himself to live with us. And even the angels fell through. And the angels now are gone away. And the shepherds, looking around in stunned silence, said, we're going to go to Bethlehem. (laughs) We got to go see this thing, this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When you wake up in the morning, what do you go to haste to? I'm going to make a couple assumptions. Some of you make haste to the restroom. Because you didn't wake up twice throughout the night. You got to take care of things. Some of you may make haste to brush your teeth. Because your halitosis is just ripe. And you don't even want to smell it anymore. Most of you... Run to the demon juice known as coffee, and I pray for your freedom. I don't, actually. I don't pray for you. So, like, like you run. There are some things in your day that you run and make haste to. When's the last time you woke up in a morning and made haste to God? Made haste to the work. Made haste to just a devotional. Or made haste. Ready for this? Just say, good morning, God. I'm alive today because of the uh, air that you've put in my lungs and my heart that is still beating and, and producing life throughout my body can only be sustained because of your word. And this morning, God, I'm just saying good morning. How do you make every day like Christmas? You make every day feel like Emmanuel, Christ is with us. But I'm just going to talk about myself. Most days I get busy. By the way, this is no, this is no like judgment against you. This is just me being honest with you. I have a morning routine that I do. But then I come and oddly enough, I go to work every single day at a church. 
And would you like to know how many times I forget about God in the middle of my work? Because at the end of the day, when I'm looking at a balance sheet, I don't need prayer. I need more mental power. Right? When we're planning an event, I don't necessarily need the voice of God to tell me how to organize moving people or putting a project together. I just get in and I start doing my work. Oddly enough, at my very own work that's supposed to be about glorifying God, I get lost in myself just producing. Maybe this isn't you. Maybe you wake up every morning and you have a harp and lyre next to your bed and you blow your shofar just to annoy the family around. You throw your talit around your shoulder and you go and you press fresh oil on your face that came from Israel because you made a donation to a tree. I don't know. There was a lot of sarcasm there at the end. I felt it. I did. I didn't mean to, but it just crept up. So that's the ghost of Christmas past showing up, not this series. So how do you make every day feel like Christmas? What if we woke up every day and we just come and behold our God for two minutes? I remember when we'd have babies at the house and you'd go in and they slept longer than they were supposed to. You would go in and what's the first thing new parents do? You make sure they're still breathing, right? And then you see them and you pick them up and they have that new baby fresh smell still. How many remember that? That was before they soiled themselves. Oh, it's just so pretty. And then you just hold them close. And what if, what if every morning my relationship with Emmanuel was running in and say, I'm still breathing. Breathe with me. What if every morning to smell the new day and to hold him close? I have a feeling that's the way we make every day feel like Christmas. So step number one, let's come and behold him. Step number two, intentionally, intentionally, let God use your life. So Christmas time, we're here. How many, by the way, no raising of hands, no elbowing someone next to you. How many have a Christmas party you don't want to go to this year? No smiling, no raising of hands. I tried to help you out. Camera two right there, get her on. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. You know what? In order for her not to feel alone, how many have a Christmas party coming up that you don't want to go to? I'll raise my hand on that one. Hey, you are not alone. How many have, no, dude, this one's, this one's going to be bad. How many have family members? It's cool looking lights up here. I'm not making eye contact with anyone. Like, how many have some family members that, right, that you have to buy a $20 gift for just so they have to buy a $20 gift for you and you don't want to spend any of it because at the end of the day, you're just all, everyone's exchanging 20 bucks, right? <laughs> I'm saying for instance, for I'm making this up. I'm not telling you how I really feel. It's so stupid. And so here's the thing, you're going to do it anyway, right? So, but what if we intentionally say, God, not just this season, but in this next year, I'm going to let you use my life because imagine Mary waking up one day, walking about her world one day, living in her house one day, and an angel shows up. And an angel says, Mary, behold, we have found you highly favorable before God. And of all the women, and at this time, 4,000 years of history, of all the lineages, of all the bloodlines, of everything... We, as God, are coming to you to say this, 
We want you to be a part of the narrative of Jesus coming to earth, Emmanuel, Christ with us. And Mary has to make this decision of, first of all, am I hallucinating? Right? This is not something you hear about. What is going on? How is this happening? Oh, and by the way, you're going to be born a virgin. And I don't care who you are. I don't care how excited you are. At some point, your brain starts thinking through, how do I tell mom and dad? Oh, and Joseph. (laughs) We got to have that conversation, right? And then Mary asks a very logical question. How is it that I can have a baby? I've never known a man. And the word know there is that intimacy. What she's saying is, I know what it takes to make a baby. And A plus B equals C. And I've never done A or B. And so how do I have C? And God said, the Holy Spirit will come over you and you will conceive a child. And Mary said this. And behold, Luke 1, verse 38. Behold, the handmaid in the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. What if the way we make Christmas every day is by treating Christmas like it was every day? So number one, we are going to intentionally be used by God and let him do this. But I would also say this, if you think about your Christmas series or Christmas holidays, what is one of the things that you do on a regular basis with people? I would say this, number one, you share meals with loved ones. How many of us, and by the way, I have four kids, and I think they're in a total of 428 things outside of school. I might have that number just a little bit off, but they're always doing events. But how often do we intentionally make it to our NAV group in order to share meals with other people? Whenever there's a meeting that needs to happen, how often do I rather just pick up the phone and get the meeting done versus saying to someone, hey, let me meet you at this restaurant and break bread with you to have this conversation. How often do we, and by the way, with a family with four kids and everything going all the time and constantly trying to keep the house clean, how many times do we just say, hey, why don't you come if you're hurting, just come be at our house for a while? What if one of the ways to make Christmas feel like every day is that we intentionally just have meals with people, have fellowship with people, have relationships with people? What about this? In the December season, one of the things that we know for a fact is more people are charitable in the month of December than any other month of the year. What if not just in the month of December you are charitable, but what if all year round you look at bringing charity, or if we want to use the Beatitudes phrase, you choose to want to mercy someone else? When's the last time you ran into someone that they were hurting that rather than saying, man, you should call my pastor, you stepped up and said, hey, I will take care of this. And by the way, I looked upon it off to other people too. Because after all, if you're going to be charitable to someone, it's usually work on our part. Can I get an amen from everyone so I don't feel like I'm alone here? Like if you want to intentionally invest into someone's life, the only way you invest is by spending. And what are you spending? It's your relational equity. It's your emotional collateral. That is what you're spending on other people. But what if, just think about this, what if for this next year alone, every person who's listening to me now that calls himself a follower of Christ, what if every one of us intentionally found one person to be charitable to and make their life better? What does Navigation Church look like just a year from now? And here's even a better question. Who cares about the church? What does your personal ministry look like a year from now? Because I'll tell you now, if you invest in something long enough, it's hard to walk away from it. 
And so number two, I would say we need to be charitable. Mary was charitable. Number three, light up your world through good deeds. So throughout this kind of conversation, I would say I'd be able to point back specifically to the Bible narrative to say where I pull my points out of. Not this one. Just need to be honest with you. And the reason why is they didn't have Christmas trees back there. They didn't have ornaments back there. They didn't have lights or Rudolph the rain nose, reindeer nose. Holy cow. <laughs> they didn't have animals with glowing noses back then. I'm not even going for it again. But one of the things that we do this time of year, we intentionally light up our life so other people can see what we're celebrating, correct? You hang lights, hang reefs, and uh, you put up a tree in order for people to see. I know we even have a little bell tree at home for Advent that you pull down the, the, the little bells every day and you're supposed to be reading and just one of us hasn't been faithful to do it. That's me. Sorry, that's me. And so... We intentionally light up our life so people can see that we're a part of this celebration. So the question I have for you is, how does lighting your light up on March 17th for Jesus look like? How does lighting up your light, life, on June 23rd look like for Jesus? How does in August you light your light up, light your life up, in order for the world to know that today is your Christmas day. And I don't have examples for you because this is something that you have to do. This is something that you have to wrestle out. But what can you do in your life, and let me say it this way, so that everyone around you is aware that you're celebrating the life of Jesus because it shines so brightly in you? Is it your speech? If you if right now someone in here you're saying to yourself well, I can buy bumper stickers that's not God that that's not God talking to you. If you're saying I can buy those sarcastic Jesus shirts, it could be it, that could be Jesus. I'm not really sure, but I'm just talking about in a practical way. And it could be something as extreme as starting a Bible study at your work once a week during the lunchtime. Yes, it could be something like that, or it could be something as simple as this. Act like the shepherds probably did. After they experienced the angels, after they went and found Mary and Joseph, my guess is every person they talked to on their way back for the next year, it was, dude, you would not believe what happened six months ago. I, can I tell you what happened 12 months ago during this time. Could you, won't you think a, a, a year later they were standing in the field every night in expectation of what could happen? What if one of the ways in order to make every day feel like Christmas Day, what if we stand in ready expectation that at any moment God can break through again? And by the way, it is possible. You know why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's with us. So this Christmas season, you are going to be challenged with being lost in materialism, you're going to be forced into commercialism and everything that's around it. There may even be pressure to do parties that you don't want, celebrations you're not interested in, and gifts that you don't have the money to buy. And in all of that noise, I wanted to start this week by saying this. What if for this month we just acted like God is with us? In our life, in our family, 
with our kids, in our marriages, God is with us. And I bet you it will make Christmas look just a little differently. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for our time here together. Thank you that we get to jump into the elf code, which right off the bat seems odd. It uh, isn't necessarily even coming out of last month in the deep places of worship that we went to. But Lord, if the title is a joke or if it's serious, the one thing that rings true is you are with us. And so God, may we not get lost in this holiday season. May we not lose sight of what you've called us to. May we keep a firm grasp on Emmanuel Christ with us. And in the mornings, may we wake up, come and behold you. And as we live our life, may it be as like a light shining around us so that we can intentionally make this holiday Christmas about the Christ that was with us. I just pray that for anyone in here right now, and I, by the way, I said this prayer earlier and it's still with me. For any of you dealing with anxiety moving into this holiday season, anxiety because of loved ones that maybe you will see or possibly loved ones that you have lost, I just pray for the grace of God to be on your life right now and those anxieties to strip away. I pray that anyone in here that you are feeling the pressure to keep up with the Joneses and buy the next Bic's latest greatest, even though you feel yourself drowning in debt, I pray that that commercialism uh, is broken in your life right now and that you can be content knowing that the season is what it's about and that is celebrating your Savior who was born this day in the city of David in a manger. I pray for those of you that are moving into family situations that this will be the first year that could be stressful, maybe through divorce or broken relationships. I pray that God's grace is for you to be there, not to engage into a hostile situation, but for you to bring life and life abundant into that. Holy Spirit, as we continue to move throughout this month of December, my prayer is simply going to be this, stay close to us. Speak to us, share us your heart so that we can share that heart with other people. If you either agree with that prayer or needed to receive that prayer today, could you say amen? Amen. amen.